1: This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a series of messages called Proverbs, A Beautiful Life, on the book of Proverbs, which is a book in the Bible that is full of wisdom, poetry, beauty, and instructs us on what the beautiful life is and how we can live it. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 10. We're going to look at two verses, verses 4 and 5. They're going to anchor us today as we take a look at work. As we consider what Proverbs and what God's Word has to say about work. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. In their album, Here Comes the One, Two, Threes, independent rock band, They Might Be Giants, released a song about work that's supposed to mirror 1940s era radio classics. It's called Seven Days of the Week, and it reflects popular attitudes about work. Here are the lyrics of the first verse. Oh no, no, I never go to work. 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 (laughs) On Mondays, I never go to work. On Tuesdays, I stay at home. On Wednesdays, I never feel inclined. Work is the last thing on my mind. On Thursdays, it's a holiday. And Fridays, I detest. Oh, it's much too late on a Saturday, and Sunday is the day of rest. <laughs> that is, that's the first verse, all about avoiding work. It's a not uncommon theme in music and art. I mean, everybody's working for the weekend, right? You're trying to make through your way through the work of the week so that you can find romance or fun or a second chance during those couple days that you're not Working, But the Bible is not they might be giants and the Bible is not lover boy. The Bible gives us a better, fuller, deeper, richer understanding of work and how we as people relate to work. The Bible tells us that work is good. And specifically, Proverbs tells us that the wise person works hard and that the foolish person works too hard or too little. It's the wise person who works hard. It's the foolish person who works too hard or too little. So we're going to talk about that in just two points this morning as we consider what it is that Proverbs has to say. We're going to talk about the wisdom of work. And we're going to talk about the foolishness of laziness and of toil. And some of the thoughts are going to come from Tim Keller's book, In Every Good Endeavor. This week after Tim's death, I've been on a kick listening to his sermons, reading some of his stuff. And he's got some really good wisdom. In every good endeavor that has to speak to what proverbs says about work as proverbs chapter 10 we're going to first talk about the wisdom of work here as proverbs chapter 10 verses 4 and 5 tells us that diligence brings wealth and that a good son is the one who works hard to gather on the farm it implicitly acknowledges the reality that we find throughout the bible And the reason that we know the reality of what the Bible says about work is that Genesis gives it to us, telling us that work is good. Let me read to you parts of Genesis chapter 2. And remember that as we read Genesis chapter 2, this is before sin has entered into the world. So this is the world without sin as God has intended it to be. Genesis chapter 2 tells us this When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And so before sin had entered into the world, God creates a man and then a woman and places them in a garden to work, to do work. What that means for us is that God made the world in such a way that work was supposed to be a part of his world. Guarding and protecting and working the garden were the tasks of Adam as the Lord God places him into the garden. Adam and Eve are placed into a paradise. And part of that paradise was working. Was working. Work and rest are both made by God and blessed by God. And because as we see God giving this task to Adam and then to Eve, we realize that they're reflecting their creator because what God does at the very beginning of the Bible is God works and then God rests. God is perfect and part of his perfection is working and creating and forming and fashioning and making the universe. And then as God puts them in the garden, he doesn't place them there to just relax. He didn't create, you know, just beds for them to lounge in. He didn't make the plants to just deliver them drinks as they sort of watch the Tigris and the Euphrates. It wasn't just like a tropical vacation for them. They're supposed to cultivate the garden and care for it. All of this tells us that work is created by God, part of his good creation, not a result of the fall. And notice, too, that the Bible talks about work as soon as it talks about anything. It shows us how important it is, how basic it is. Tim Keller says that God left creation with deep, untapped potential for cultivation. And that people, part of our task is to unlock some of the potential that God had placed into the world through our work, through our labor. In verse 15 of Genesis chapter 2, We're told that since man is created to work, that part of what we do is to work for God, to glorify him through this work that we do. For this reason, Dorothy Sayers says, what's the Christian understanding of work? It's not that work is uh, something that one does to live, but that it's a thing that one lives to do, or it should be the fullest expression of the worker's faculty, the medium where the worker offers himself to God. The Lord values work and proves it to us in the creation of the world and the tasking of humanity to work in creation and then he proves it again with his son. Philip Jensen says this, if God came into the world, what would he be like? For the ancient Greeks, he might have been a philosopher king. The ancient Romans might have looked for a just and noble statesman. But how does the God of the Hebrews come to the world as a carpenter to work? What does all this mean? Well, it means that your work matters. It means that all the work that you do that's in accord with the law of God, that it means that it is good, that it matters. It means that whether you build houses, or collect trash, or pour concrete, or work as a CPA, or own your own business, or raise kids, or if you're a chef, or if you clean houses, or businesses, or if you teach, or if you're an HR, or if you're a doctor, or if you're an administrator, or if you're you're an administrative assistant or if you do a thousand other things, what you do matters and it is good. And what you do is holy. If God created the, the man and the woman to work and keep the garden and if the work that they're doing is before the fall, then it's holy and righteous and good. They're doing just as God commanded and exactly what God will. That means that as they're cultivating this garden that the Lord God has made, that this is holy good work. It's a reminder to us that there is no profession that's more holy than another profession. Martin Luther, at the time of the Reformation, in his trademark fighting way, says this, It's pure fiction that pope, bishops, priests, and monks are called the spiritual estate, while princes, lords, artisans, and farmers are called the temporal estate. This is indeed a piece of deceit and hypocrisy. Yet no one need be intimidated by it, and for this reason, that all Christians are truly of the spiritual estate, and there's no difference among them except that of office. We are all consecrated priests by baptism, as P- Saint Peter says, "You are a royal priesthood and a priestly realm." First Peter two nine. So what? Martin Luther is doing at the time of the Reformation is sort of kicking back against this notion that if you were a a priest or a bishop or the Pope, that what you're doing is spiritual, and that if you are a farmer or a nobleman or a king, that what you're doing is temporary. If you're an artist, it's temporary. He's saying, no, 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 everybody's work can be equally spiritual if rendered to God for God's glory. It means that for Christians, if we want to do work that glorifies God, it means that we do it in line with God's law and that we do it well. The wise person sees that work is good and therefore presses himself or herself into his or her work. Working hard, working well, working for the glory of God, to God's glory. This is why the son that works hard in the time of harvest demonstrates that he is wise because it is a good, holy, righteous thing for him to be throwing himself into his work. And Proverbs will continue to talk about that through Proverbs 10 through Proverbs 29. Proverbs 12:11 says, "Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread." proverbs 12 24 says that the hand of the diligent will rule proverbs 13 verse 4 says that the soul of the diligent is richly supplied and proverbs 22 verse 29 talks about the skill that develops through hard work and says do you see a man skillful in his work he will stand before kings he will not stand before obscure men It's talking about the fact that if you are given to your work and you work hard and you cultivate your ability, people who are discerning will be able to see it and notice it and recognize it.
0: You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook Answering 7 Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com.
1: And now more from Pastor Derek in our series called Proverbs, A Beautiful Life. On the book of Proverbs, which is a book in the Bible that is full of wisdom, poetry, beauty, and instructs us on what the beautiful life is and how we can live it. You know, it was helpful for me as a child to realize, and I realize this, in church. I remember the time when the pastor talked about the fact that work was really good. Because even as like a middle schooler, I had this sense that work was real bad. And so when we had a guest preacher come into the pulpit and talk about how work is good, I remember going home and talking about it with my parents and being like, is that really true? And my parents, as good parents, were like, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely, work is really good. I mean, it's stained by the fall, but it's really good. I remember thinking, oh no. (laughs) But it's true. And so do you want to live in wisdom? Do you want to live in a way that honors and glorifies God? Well, part of the way that you do that is to work and to work hard. Part of the way to glorify and honor God is by working and working hard. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. says this about work. It's a great, great King quote. He says, if it falls uh, your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Handel and Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. Oh, that is good, isn't it? And that's the reality that as we press ourselves into our labor, we can do it with a sort of artistic glory, regardless of what it is and where it is, all to the glory of God good, genuine work. So you might ask, okay, well, if work is so good, then why do I hate it? (laughs) And the answer is, well, just like everything else, work is fallen. Just like everything else, work is fallen. Genesis chapter 3 says this. Genesis 3, 17 to 19. And to Adam he said, Because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. You know, because the fall is something that, that impacts all of the world, it also impacts work. And so after the fall, the difficult reality is that work becomes toil. Work becomes toil. It's the thorns and the thistles that grew up after sin came into the world that make it so that work becomes a drain, becomes something that you wake up dreading, becomes something that... So the earth is created to produce The, the fruit that the man and the woman were living off of in part, in the garden. They, you know, there's, God creates this whole garden. The man and the woman are supposed to cultivate it. But after the fall, the earth starts to fight against the man as he's working the field. It starts to shoot up these thorns and thistles. It means that you have to fight with the earth in order for it to continue to produce. And because God made the world, it will still do that thing that it was intended to do, but but it does it in broken fashion. It's kind of a stunning picture of the reality of all of us. The fact that we're still created in the image of God, but it's marred by sin and it's it's broken by the fall. And that means that while we still can act with righteousness, which is what we were created to do, all of a sudden we, we fight with ourselves to produce righteousness and holiness and among ourselves. The, the ground itself is a reflection of all of that. And work becomes toil. It means that now the materials that you build with are subject to decay. It means that thorns grow up. That sweat will line your brow as you're working. It means that monotony becomes part of your toil. It means sometimes the numbers don't line up. It means sometimes people will act in sinful ways to harm the work that you are doing. It means that sometimes the kids disobey or maybe even stray. It means that the students won't always pay attention. It means that things fall apart, that others intentionally make work harder. It means that you might be cheated or demeaned or harassed. It means that our work becomes toil and work becomes selfish. In Genesis chapter 11, we're told the story of the Tower of Babel. The the people moved to the east and they found a plain in Shinar and they say, Let us make a name for ourselves. They decide that they're going to build a tower that stretches all the way up to the heavens to demonstrate their incredible pride. Instead of work being done for the glory of God, now these people, after the fall, are doing work to glorify themselves. Demonstrating the fact that work itself has become corrupted in a whole host of different ways. Toil that seems unceasing and is difficult, done for ourselves rather than the glory of God. And as we do it, the fall changes us. Our bodies are now subject to decay. We lose the physical capacity for work or the mental capacity for work. Or we become lazy. We give ourselves to too little work. Or we work too much. And Proverbs talks about the foolishness of both of those realities. Let me complete some of the three Proverbs that I mentioned just a little bit earlier in the sermon. Proverbs 12 verse 11. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Proverbs 12:24. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Proverbs 13 verse 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. And let me offer you a few more. 20 verse 13, love not sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you'll have plenty of bread. Proverbs 2430 to 34, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns and the ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. What Proverbs makes clear is that sometimes the reality that there's not enough is that we have been lazy and haven't given ourselves to the kind of work that we need to be doing. Proverbs tells us that this is sort of the way of the world, that if you're not willing to work, you'll find that you won't have enough to eat or to live on. And he notes that that sometimes the reason for lack is that he's walked by the field of a person and he realizes it's all overgrown, that if this person who was a sluggard had been doing the work of actually removing the thistles and the thorns and cultivating the ground, then there'd be plenty there for him to live off of and eat off of, But, but he had just given himself to laziness and rest, and he notes, hey, son, because he's talking to his son, if you do the same thing, the same thing might happen to you. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty might show up. We should consider this well. Some of us who are here may at some times, or perhaps many times, or maybe even most times, might be given to laziness. And Proverbs chapter 6 talks about this, one antidote to laziness is to consider the world as God has made it to be. Proverbs chapter 6, the Solomon, talking to his son, says, Consider the ant, you sluggard. He might have been talking to a middle school child, much like myself, who looked at work and was like, eh, maybe not for me. He's like, listen, sluggard son. Take a look at the ant. And he notes how they are working all the time. Making their way into your home even unbidden, carrying things off, perpetually working. They don't seem to need to haste. They're just always there, showing up to your Memorial Day picnic. The ant is there because it's going to bring food back to its family, back to its whatever you call a group of ants. I don't even remember He says that they don't need somebody to give them external motivation for all of this. They just are going to continue to do it. And if you struggle with laziness, one of the things that Proverbs says is to just note the way that God has made the world. And to recognize hard work when you see it. And to say, all right, I have to be humble enough to learn from one of God's tiniest creatures, the ant. And to realize that I have to just continue to give myself to consistent labor. And if you or I have been lazy, we need to recognize that one of the things that we're rejecting is the world as God has made it to be. We're rejecting the task of the good work that God has formed us to live into. And that means that we need to go to the Lord God and to say, I'm sorry, I haven't lived into this as you have called me to live into it. Would you forgive me? And God will and does forgive us. And as we turn to him, we ask him to make us more like him. As we go to the Lord in repentance, God can make us more like him. And Psalm 121 says that God doesn't slumber or sleep, that that he's working now in caring for us. And while God is eternal and you and I need to sleep, Nonetheless, God can work within us the same sort of consistent work that characterizes him as a good God. But we also might have the problem in the other direction. Proverbs talks about toil too and how we can do it too much. Because we are sinful people living in a broken world, sometimes what we can fall into is laziness. But on the other hand, what we can fall into is too much work. Too much toil. And this is the equal opposite problem, and it also is a reflection of foolishness. This actually might be more of a temptation for us now at this time in sort of world history than it may have been for the Israelites as they were receiving these works of, of God through his servant Solomon in the Proverbs. The reality is that God has made the world to, to like allow us to sort of live into these rhythms of work and rest. Before you have you know, lights that you can just flip on in your house, the sun goes down and your work kind of has to stop. You can't see enough to do labor in the field anymore. You got to go into your house and you're going to have to sleep. God has made the world to have times of, you know, like growth and harvest, but also times of winter where where things lie dormant for a while. And while there's different work to do at different times, it means that there isn't always the same work to do. And while the earth is resting before the next season of harvest, it means that there may be more opportunity as the days are shorter to rest more and to recover. God has worked this into the world. But in a world where we have lights that can be on 24-7, when we have automobiles that can keep us moving at all times of the night or the day, it might actually be harder for us to live in line with the way that the world has been made and find times to cultivate rest.